We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, man, I hope this isn't one of the last podcasts before basketball is over. I need many, 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 many more podcasts of when the, when there's basketball to talk about. Um, but just in case, just in case, just in case, um, I brought on the most special of guests. There is no one more special than this person. He's not the only guest today. We have we have someone else coming up very special soon as well. Uh, Chris Kirshner, who covers the uh, Hawks for the Athletics. So stay tuned for that. But first, the one, the only, the John Goodman of the Knicks Film School podcast, David Fudernick. Hello, David. Hello. Without the introduction, I thought Mike Breen was coming back on, but hey. You're more... You're more special than Breen. You're more special than if you like combined Breen and like Pat Riley and Patrick Ewing and like Jeff Van Gundy and like you brought back uh, Red Holzman from the dead and you put them all into one person, hmm. they would come up to like your neck. They wouldn't. <laughs> they certainly Christ. wouldn't have your beard. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Uh, oh, it's great to be back, John. Uh, you know the the. <laughs> The weekend was fantastic. Just great weekend. It's a really <laughs> wonderful weekend. Feel the malaise of two terrible basketball games and going to a barbecue where every like it's a bunch of like yesterday I was at a barbecue. It's all like writers and actors who like have zero interest in basketball. <sighs> but the first thing they want to say to me, every single person I talk to is I'm sorry about your Knicks, man. I'm like, you know, can we talk about literally anything but that? I'm here at a barbecue to drink and to eat a lot of disgusting food. Don't, come on. Don't don't bring up the funeral that I'm like close to having for my team. Can I make this a year. confession? <laughs> what? There are a lot of things that annoy me in life, as anyone who knows me well <laughs> knows. <laughs> uh, you're real because you're a real New Yorker. I mean, it comes with the territory. Is that a New York thing? You just, we just get annoyed at more shit than most people. It, okay, Andrew's absolutely. Kind of um, the up near the top of the list is when someone who is not at all a sports fan tries to engage with me in conversation about sports, and I, I, I what I want to do is I want to be like, please stop talking to me. Not only about this, just don't talk to me at all. I yeah. just don't want to talk to you right now. One single person wanted to talk about the Sopranos, and I was like, you were. Uh, I'm not leaving this conversation the rest of this party um yeah no it, it, malaise is a good word for where we're at it's it, but it's funny though like so i i don't get to um 
I don't check the KFS mailbag uh, email account as much as I should because of just life. Um, but I, I checked it today because I, I had a little bit of time during the day and it was all, a bunch of people like replying to the newsletter that I wrote after the game two win or like emailing me about the game two one. And it was all just like happiness and joy and just giddy and all of the things. And then I'm like trying to reply back to people and be like, yeah, I'm sorry. Everything went to shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In what feels like a, like a split second, you know, we were so over the but moon it was, after game two. It was seven. And, what was the game? Game time on Friday was seven or seven thirty, whatever it was. Right. And then it was how, how many? I mean, what was it 40, 41 hours, whatever, until the start of game? You know, it was it was a talk about a short turnaround time. Yeah, we've also we've had to stew bet- from a Sunday to a Wednesday after two bad <sighs> losses now, which just those. The time in between, uh, you know, game uh, game one and game two, and game four and game five has been br- pretty brutal. Yeah. But I also don't. I am getting so tired of uh, every single sad sack tweet on Twitter about a team that was supposed to win twenty two games. You know so what I mean, here, here's the other thing. Um, I got back to the KFS email account today. Something I have not done since. I think last week, not check my mentions. Have not. I've. I see the DMs that come in. John, that's a that's a that's a good rule to live by. Just any time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> literally no, any time in life. No, but I listen. I has as I have said before. I I attempt to treat Twitter like actual like conversation. And because if someone takes the time to speak to me, I, I unless they're a, a family member at a barbecue trying to talk to me about the next and they don't watch the next, um, I try to give them the time of day. So I, you know, I'm, I feel like I, as if I'm being rude, but I one, I haven't had the time because I also tried to spend a little bit of time with my family this weekend. But also it's just like, I just, I, I don't have the, I don't have that in me right now. No, no. Understandable. Understandable. Um, yeah, so th- so there's all that going on. Hey, here's what. I- so I brought you. <laughs> what a start we're off to. I yeah, brought you yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I woke <laughs> up this morning and I-, I was just like, I had to go on with John today. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be really positive because Look, people people want to hear positive shit. You know, I think for the most part, people well, want to hear some. You know, in a realistic way, well, not here's some a, yeah, pie in the you. sky bullshit. You know, no one listen. No one wants to sit here and listen to either of us talk about how. Hey, listen, this is great. Everything's fine. It's wonderful. Like, not a the series is. (laughs) I mean, in peril would be one way to say it. But also, like you know, there are there are repercussions. If 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 in fact they they let's just say for argument's sake went out in game five and it did not look pretty. Like there's there's stuff that needs to be talked about. Not to the extent of like the, the Twitterati, I guess you'd say, um, right. are discussing. But I'm going to give you a couple things. One, um, it's again, it seems like a million years ago, but it did happen. Over the first two games of the series, the Knicks did outscore the Hawks. They they lost by two in game one and they outscored them by nine in game two. And grant that I know they were down by a million points at halftime of game two and like game one was not exactly pretty either. It's like, you know... There was a not inconceivable world where they came out of those games two and zero. They didn't. Also, they came out also, one. Have you not watched this team all year? That like is how they win all, like almost all of their games. So that's so Julius Randle kind of unprompted today for his media availability. Um, in addition to talking about Clint Capella, which we'll get to in a second, um, he literally said he's like, "Look, this is where we like to be. This is where we are at our best when our backs are against the wall and when we're you know when the chips are down." Um, I think we're going to see a – it doesn't mean they're going to win. We'll see. I think we're going to see a real effort um, on on Wednesday night. Um, the the other thing that I wanted to to say before we get to Capella, because um, I'm a stats guy. You know I'm a stats guy, David. You know I this. Know. Yeah. The Knicks and that's, are – that's And that's why you have me on because <laughs> I, love, I love stats. You love you know, stats. Not, I don't search them out, but I love to listen to them. So, well, you'd like uh, someone who likes to go again back to the barbecue. You may not want to cook the food, but you like to consume the food if it's Correct. good food. There you Correct. go. Um, was the barbecue food good that you had at the barbecue? Eh, it was fine. 
Wow. I hope none of the uh, hosts consume this uh, podcast. The host may be listening to this, and he was a wonderful host. And uh, besides the other people at the party who annoyed the shit out of me, it okay. was great. That's so, good. Um, anyway. it's, hard to, it's hard to screw up hot dogs and hamburgers. You no, know? you can't. I mean, well, you, you, uh, can, you serve, a, serve, a, serve a well-done hockey puck. Anyway, um, yeah. the stat that I found was, and I actually asked RJ about this today, and of course he gave me some boilerplate uh, bullshit answer, which revealed nothing. But um, the Knicks are, for all their woes on offense, and those are very legitimate, although I think a couple of, of shots, you know, hitting a few shots may actually go a ways in turning things around. On defense, so the the Knicks um, are not allowing anything at the rim, which I think was their MO coming into the series, and they've executed on that. The the Hawks have, of the 20 teams that made the postseason, the Hawks have taken the third lowest frequency of shots at the rim out of those 20 teams. So that's good. The Hawks are also taking a ton of long twos, obscene amount of long twos, the third most long twos, again, frequency of any team in the, out of the 20 teams in the postseason. So aside from the threes, which the Hawks are, are taking a lot of, and the last few games have been hitting a lot of, like the, you know, and again, the, you can't take away everything as a defense. And if you go by the points per game that the Knicks are giving up, or even their defensive rating, which I think they're fifth or sixth in the, in the postseason, like that's, they can win games or, you know, maybe, you know, a game, games, whatever you want to say with the defense that they're playing. It's, it's at the other end when, which is where you get into the stuff that Capella has said. And like, look, they were the team that everybody said was the physical team. We're showing them like what it means to be physical and we're about to send them on a vacation. So my question to you, David Futternick, do you think that a, they have a turnaround in them on offense this is a three-part question, actually. B, where do you think it comes from if the if the answer to part A is yes? And C, do you think Capella's um, rude comments will, will help spur them on? Feel free to answer those in any order you wish. Okay, so A, um, do they have a fight in them? Yeah. Absolutely. The garden's going to be rocking. Yeah. Uh, they had a fight in them in games one and game two, you know, like – and. Look, we can talk about like, oh, if RJ is able to hang on to the ball uh, when he almost had the steal. Fucking on and, his shoulder. You know, it was right on there. his shoulder. Right there. You know, then they're up three with 50 seconds left. You know yeah. what I mean? So we're, we're talking about a 2-2 series. So, yes, absolutely they have the fight in them. Um, the second part was like, where is that like yeah, offense going to come if, from? If, who are, if they win game five and it's, it's a really a good feeling win, who are we talking about, do you think, after game five? Julius has to have like an okay game. I think we can live with him. He's he's going to keep seeing the same defense because it's working. Uh, I think we can live with him like scoring somewhere between 20 and 25 points and win the game. Okay. Reggie Block has to fucking hit open threes. He was so fucking bad last game, especially. First scoreless so game since January. I mean, January. Th- those shots are going to continue to be open for him. He has to hit those shots. Um, and then in the second unit, we need all, like, quickly has to step up. I you, mean. You, you, you saw into my heart and you pulled yeah. out the name that was in there. Well, the two people that consistently hit threes for our team all year, like, the, they, have, they have to hit them. Um, I'm not concerned about RJ. I think he proved last game that, uh, you know, he can have, like, a, a solid RJ game and we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, I think if we get that same performance that he gave us in game four. I think that's another like piece in the puzzle of, when, of beating them. I think that's exactly what you can live with from RJ. Yeah. Um, especially compared to like you know his previous games in the series. So, you know, and and uh, look, I, if there is one straw that you grasp at the most out of the series, besides the fact that like Derrick Rose has been playing out of his mind, um, is, is Obi. Obi has been <sighs> so good, so good. For like a guy, like I was going on locker room for a, like half of the season with people uh, who just wanted him gone as soon do, as possible. Do you remember you know? the "We need to be giving Kevin Knox Obi minutes, Obi's minutes" <laughs> takes? Do you remember those takes? Those are some, not, those are not takes. really. Oh, hey, I, we, I, I, we had some of those on the some of the post games. Yeah, we did. Hey, it, it took a blowout in Game Four, but we finally got those Knox uh, playoff minutes. So, you know. <laughs> 
we've all been creaming ourselves for. Finally. I, I almost Finally. did a Knox dedicated newsletter. Let's analyze those four and a half minutes to see if we can justify that draft. <laughs> hey, you look good. Hey, you look good against the, uh, you know, the, the 17th man on the Hawks. And, uh, you know. I think you were out there in <laughs> yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. the whatever red Jersey. Um, yeah, no, the Obi stuff is great. Uh, Tibbs did not tip his his hand today as far as as far as um whether he's going to go back to the small ball. I think he, personally, I think he should. Um, I don't see any reason why not. Elimination game, like, what do you have to lose? Like, uh, try it, try it. <laughs> what what you've been doing so far has not been working. Try it out. Why not? <laughs> and to, to put it, uh, I it, the two things that I would lean on, I I would go, I would give it a shot because again. What do you, you know, it, it, the the interesting matchup and or the the complexity of this, and we don't have to really get too far into it now. Is there's a there's an interesting staring match that could occur with if you put Obi and Randall together while Capella is in there, because if you're the Knicks on offense, you're thinking, okay, you know, do we out out quick? Capella or do we out quick yeah do we out quick Capella off the floor right mm-hmm. or or space him off the floor whatever whatever you want to say um but on the other end if the Hawks are like like we don't think you'll be able to rebound at all if we have Capella in there and you don't have a center like to me personally I I I kind of want to try this may sound insane I kind of want to trust Obi to gr- like do his job and box out the dude and like you know I want to see it yeah, because like, why, I mean, why not? Why not? If it's not working, like you, you give it like five minutes. If, if it looks like they're just getting destroyed on the boards, you take them out. You, at least yeah. at least you tried it. At least you tried it. Because like yeah, what, I, what's happening right now with, especially with, like clearly Noel is so banged up. I mean, I, it's, dude, it's, a hard, it's hard to watch him like get up and down the floor. He's not, when you factor, when you have to factor in the fact, and I understand he's hit a bunch of free throws and that's been, uh, or mostly in game three, that, that was a help. When sure. you factor in that he doesn't really give you anything on offense when he's healthy, and now with this, and he th- he doesn't give you the defensive presence or versatility in the same way, and we noticed it significantly in in game four. It's just it seems like the stars are aligned. So like no one's going to think less of Noel if he doesn't get off the bench, and they're just like, look, we're 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 you know we we have to go this other way because he's not right. Um, and the other guy is quickly. I, I just has quickly hit a shot in the last two games. Maybe he's one, two, whatever. It, I mean, maybe. Yeah, like can't remember. The, can't remember the the point exactly, exactly. And yeah. if there's one, and if there's one guy other than maybe Obi with the dunks and you know RJ and like Randall, you remember quickly. Like Quickie's imprint on a game is, and for me honestly, he might be number one on the list in terms of when I think back to this year and I think of the moments that made me jump the fuck all the way off my couch. I'm th- I think of the quickly moments. And Absolutely. so, and, and they have been missing those this series. And again, I know the regular season is the regular season and the postseason is the postseason, but Emmanuel quickly was the difference in those games as much as, Ju- maybe not as much as Julius Randle, but close. So, yeah, he took, I, th- I think it was game four. I, he took a logo shot that didn't go down. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. Yeah, in and the first half, yes, and then, and, then, and then it felt like he didn't shoot ever again the, the rest of the game. You he, know, like yeah. he he couldn't get rid of the ball fast enough. Um, and look, I, I think that the biggest issue in this series, obviously, has been the fact that your best player is struggling badly, and that trickles down to everybody. You know, um, it's a great and, point, and, and I think it's thrown. I think it's they thrown the feel team, it. especially a lot. Yeah, yeah. How could they not? How could they not? That's your leader, you know. Um, as much as Derrick Rose is sort of like the, you know, the co-leader, if you want to say. Um, especially but Ju- now, Julius but has like, been all all year, though. He's been here all year. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and if yeah. he's if he's like they sent, but I also think they they sense his struggle in the fact that they know. He's he's trying to make the right play. He's trying too hard to make the right play. Yeah. And but also to g- get himself out of the funk because he knows if he doesn't get himself out of the funk then they're they're you know fucked. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, do, okay. We're actually 
One one other thing before I, I get to our I guess prediction slash level of confidence, um, there is this other story with the like the fan stuff that's been going on, like a, a fan th- threw like beer on Emmanuel quickly. He's he acknowledged that in his, the other day. Like there's other fan stuff too, like the incident with Trey Young and spitting, and there's like fans running on the court and this and that. Like well, I don't you 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 have fifteen thousand people who have been locked away in their houses for a year and a half. At least one of those people is a scumbag, and they're gonna do some scumbaggery, you know, bullshit. You know, like the Good fact word. that we're seeing so much of it. Oh, thank you. We're seeing so much of it in such a short amount of time. I think, like, you know, it's I, I, it's just gonna keep happening. Like, there's really nothing that the league can do other than ban these people. I mean, life, what, you know, yeah, I was about to say, what can you? Do? I mean, it, you know, my one of my favorite sayings: it only takes one asshole. Um, right. Right. And it it often does, yeah. I just I felt like we should touch on that um, because it's a it's a thing. Okay, um, I want to sit here right now and be like, we're gonna win game five. I know we're gonna win game five. I really want to sit here and say that and be sure yeah. of it and know and feel it in my bones. But you know what I feel? I feel the same feeling that I felt for most of this season, which is that like, okay, there, there, there's there's something there. But God, how can I give over all faith to this team? And I want to, and I just the the I say this though, their response today, Randall, Rose, RJ, when when asked about the Capella comments, and there, it was definitely a these guys are not done yet response. Yeah, to me, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, Derek Rose, he was just, I mean, that was my favorite response. Oh. So I'm too old for this shit. Like, yeah, Get the fuck mean, out of here. You and me, you and me too, brother. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't watch, like, like, Clint Capella, you know, I mean. He used the word he, vacation, David. I, I know. He I used know. the fucking word vacation. What, what kills me, and look, I like the smoke. I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good no, it for is. entertainment. Uh, it is. Uh, you know, it would it would help if like Trey Young talked shit and like didn't look like a fucking tumbleweed. But you know, just it's, it's just hard for someone who doesn't look cool to try so desperately to seem cool. Like Dame Lillard doesn't have to pretend that he's cool. He just is. Cool. He's admits uh, cool. You know, he is just a cool guy. And like when he hits a game winner and he looks into the camera, uh, you know, you're like, holy shit, that's cool. Trey Young's like, you know, E.T. finger like going up to like his unibrow is not cool. So that's I just had to get that up. <laughs> Don't but listen. I, but the, look, I, I, I will say this. Yep. Um, you know, the shit talking, uh, like they have some gall because a week <laughs> ago they were crying to the media about hard screens yeah. and fuck you chance and yeah. like. I mean, they have a lot of gall talking about like they're the tough team. I mean, like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> give we, me. We, a we break. didn't mention Kevin Herter, who looks like he's <laughs> he looks like he's thirteen. That needs to be mentioned as well. <laughs> yes, um, he looks like he's thirteen and like uh, and has like um, you know a, a CD that he freestyles over in his car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he looks like he makes beats. He definitely looks like he makes his own beats. Um. Yeah, he does. He does look like he makes some. I don't know, but he's not old enough to drive. So there's that part <laughs> yeah. of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's Gallo, obviously, uh, the um, Travis Bickle himself, who, yeah. I mean. Oh, good Lord. What can you say? Maybe that was his. Maybe that's what. That's why the Knicks are down 3 1. They were intimidated because they thought uh, Gallo was going to pull a. What is yeah, it? The pull a taxi driver. Yeah, yeah the, the spring the spring loaded gun out of his thing. Okay, yeah. um, our, our time is up. To, uh, David Farnick, before I I let you go, um, can you just uh, please tell the folks at home where they could find you and your uh, amazing uh, material? You can uh, listen to my uh, NBA uh, comedy podcast called The Super Hoopers at the Super Hoopers uh, for Sopranos fans uh, at O Sopranos Pod. Uh, we are about to. Uh, begin season five, which is my favorite season of The Sopranos. So uh, it's the best season. That will be fun. I, I mean, I think it is. I it's think the it best is. season. Uh, um, and uh, and yeah, and then you know, David Funernick at uh, David Funernick on uh, on the Twitter and on the Instagram, and you know, 
look out for me on television or whatever. You know, um, I would give you a big flowery <laughs> send off, except I have a feeling we're going to be talking again in like two weeks. Yes, <laughs> knowing yeah, us, we might. We're going to need a therapy session, I, I would there's, imagine. But let's let's all look. I am I'm over the moon that we have come this far. That we were a four seed. That there is. Uh, you know, uh, a serious foundation for the future in this franchise with the head coach, with the front office, with the young guys that we have on this team. I'm, I'm like, I will remember this season forever. It was so special. And I just really, really want to win tomorrow. Yeah. I just, I yep. mean, I, uh, I just don't want to go out like that. No, no, know? I'm, I'm and, with you. And, me- and, and not, and not in front of the home, home crowd. You know, I can live with a, uh, I can live with a game six loss. Give me um, a few moments in game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Five and give me a commensurate yeah. effort in game six. You know. I want Jules. I want Jules to have a yep. uh, performance that he can look back on and be and be proud that he, um, you know, finished the series strong. So that's that's all. That's all. We I got this. For. We got yeah. this. But we See, but we got is- like we we got a gift, man. This season has been a gift. No matter what happens tomorrow, this this season is an absolute gift. It- Absolutely is. And now I'm going to go talk to uh, Chris Kirshner, who covers the Hawks, and be depressed again. Uh, David, <laughs> Farnick, <laughs> David Farnick, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, if you love listening to me on Nick's Film School, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. Trust me, I wish I had Hustle when I was just starting out with Nick's Film School. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we will help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and every other listening platform imaginable. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. 15 bucks. that's it! It's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup fee. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me talk about the Knicks, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But again, that is bwhustle.com slash join. Submit your Blue Wire Hustle application. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, um, if you have uh, followed this series at all and you are an athletic subscriber, I'm sure you have read this person's work. Um, if you are uh, an NBA fan and you like to read about different teams, you have read this person's work because he is one of the absolute best there is. Um, I I had a, a bunch of different things that I was going to start by introducing him with um, other than saying he writes for uh, the athletic about the Atlanta Hawks, but all of that is superseded. Because I have to just say, mentioned by Doris Burke on national television, Chris Kirchner, are you have you are you still levitate, levitating or have you come down a little bit? Where where are you at right now? Uh, I had to sign a, a few autographs, sign some some cards before this podcast. So so you know, my my time is very very short and, and limited because of that. <laughs> But no, I mean, it, it was definitely cool to be be mentioned by by Doris. And um, I was actually not able to go to, to uh, game four because I, I saw that. Yeah. Um, but I was watching the game in the uh, hotel lobby that I was staying in. 
and the game was on mute. So I could only read the closed captions and I saw my name pop. I was like, <laughs> Holy hell, like this, this is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was really cool and, and really kind of her to shout me out. Um, I probably would have thought someone was playing a practical joke on me if it was me. Um, but th- that's fantastic. And uh, well, let's get right into it. The reason she mentioned you is because you wrote um, easily one of my favorite pieces of of the playoffs this far thus far, despite the fact that it it is at the um, not the expense of the the team that we we cover here. But um, well, let's just say it: Trey Young is turning into a star against the New York Knicks. You wrote about that. And I want to start with something specific that you highlighted because I, I don't think I realized this, which is that the Atlanta, I guess, sports community has really become, um, I guess, as you write, very protective of Trey and they kind of prop him up in the, in the face of, I think, a national media that is um, maybe skeptical, skeptical is the right word. I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective, coming into these playoffs did you feel like this was possible? And also, if you can speak to it, do you think the team, uh, the Hawks themselves, felt like this was on on the verge of happening? Well, I, I think for Trey, um, just from talking with him over the past three years now, I, I knew that he was built for moments like these. He loves to relish in the big stage and there just haven't been any big stages for, for him in these past couple of seasons. You know, this is a rebuilding team. They won 29 games his first year, 20 games. And then obviously now they're, they're in the playoffs and on the verge of advancing to the second round. So I think for Trey, it was a matter of just, having the majority of NBA fans reporters actually watch the Hawks in the first place. Cause there weren't many reasons to watch the Hawks in the past couple of years. You had to seek them out because they weren't on national TV. Um, so if you're not watching the games and you're just reading whatever, what other people are saying, it's easy to get your opinion or perspective warped because of that. You know, I, I've watched every single game. I've, I know how well he's played. I, I, I've seen it up close in, in person. I've talked to him. I've talked to other players around the league. I've talked to scouts. I've talked to executives. So um, I, I just feel like Trey has already been this this good in the NBA. And it's just a matter of now everybody is seeing that. As, for, as far as the Hawks, I, I think that... Um, when you're just talking about the front office perspective and just the team perspective, I I think they, they realized that this was possible. I think that they realized that a a series against the Knicks was the best case scenario, just because of the fact that um, these are two teams that haven't had playoff experience. Mm -hmm. They're both young teams. They're both rebuilding teams Um, for the Hawks. This was probably their, their best opportunity to advance to the second round. I don't know if they would have, you know, made easy work, of the heat, like the bucks did. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if that was going to happen, but I, I do think that, you know, just from a talent perspective, when you just analyze the two rosters, uh, you know, and, and put them side by side, I, I do think that the Hawks were clearly the more talented team coming into it. So I feel like this isn't really a surprise to see them up three, one right now. Yeah. And that's a good transition. Um, because I, you know, Again, um, but root for the Knicks, have always rooted for the Knicks and, and was very hopeful coming into this series, but not because I thought the Knicks had more talent, because I agree with you. I think if you're just being honest, um, you figured, OK, maybe the Knicks would have the best player in the series. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that has not come to fruition in, in terms of the performance on the court, but that there would be some kind of ethereal um, quality about what the Knicks would bring and the you know, Thibodeau and the toughness and the whole, and, and you know, maybe we'll get into some of the Capella comments in, in a bit. Um, all that said, I was expecting a seven game series. I thought the Knicks would, would edge it out and who knows, you know, there's still some, some games to be played. We're recording this ahead of game five. Um, sitting here right now, are you surprised that the series is three one or is, did, did you kind of expect this to be, you know, go, go the way that it's gone so far? Well, I predicted Hawks and six before um, the series began. I still think it's going to be Hawks and six. I, I do think that the Knicks are going to end up winning game five, just because of the fact that um, 
their backs are against the wall. They it's do or die situation. And, and, you know, the Hawks are, it's a tough environment. I would assume that the crowd on Wednesday is going to be electric and insane just as it was in, in the first two games. So I, I would, I would imagine that just from that alone, that the Knicks are going to have some juice going into that matchup. So I still think it's going to be Hawks and six. Um, so the fact that the Knicks have just played just absolutely just horrendously in the past two games. No, I did not see that coming. I, I thought that Makes most, two of us. <laughs> I thought most of these games were going to be really, really tight yeah. come down to the wire, which is what we saw in the, in the, in the first two games. Yeah. You know, I, I expected that throughout the entire series. I didn't expect the Hawks to win by 15, 20 plus. <laughs> And in the regular season, I mean, I don't know what the final scores of those games were, but the Hawks had leads of, uh, what was it? Seven, 11 and 15, I think in those, in those games, the Knicks wound up winning them, but like those were all close as well. Yeah. So I, I expected that to continue in the playoffs and you know, the two, the past two games, the Hawks made all their threes essentially. And, and the Knicks didn't. And that's the reason why we're in this position today with the Hawks up three, one, if the Knicks could make some shots, if the Knicks could have some sort of offense, I feel like it would be a different conversation we're having, but that just hasn't been the case. They haven't gotten really any offense outside of Derek Rose. Randall's been a mess. Our RJ Barrett. I mean, he, he played well in the last game, but outside of that, he hasn't done anything. So I, I just don't know how anyone right now could say, yeah, I mean, the Knicks are going to end up winning in seven just because of the fact of what we've seen. They, they haven't had any sort of offensive rhythm and um, the Hawks do, they have that. Even if a guy is off for a night, they have so many shooters on the team that it, it's really hard to, to stop the amount of firepower that they have when you compare it to what the Knicks have, which is Randall and obviously Randall hasn't looked like regular season Randall. So for the, for the Knicks perspective, it's really difficult to say, um, you know, this is a team that can end up coming back and and winning in, in seven games. Yeah, and you mentioned the the Hawks firepower. I was looking it up today. Um, I mean, Kevin Herter is shooting not on a, a ton of volume, but he's still shooting fifty percent from deep in the series after shooting seventeen percent from deep. Um, oh, and what I didn't realize actually until I looked it up today, he had taken by far the most threes of any Hawk player over the three regular season games. So it's not only that he wasn't hitting them; he was taking a ton of shots, and he wasn't hitting a lot of them. He's turned it around, obviously. Um, Gallo started off slow, but as you said, everybody with the Hawks seems to be making everything the last two games. He was four for four in game three. I think that was huge. So yeah, they are hitting their shots. Um, I, I guess what I'm curious to, to hear from you in terms of the Hawks defense, because I think that's, there, there is a sense that they have, you know, kind of figured out Randall. And I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's the, the word I'm, or the term I'm most comfortable with, because I think all they're doing is they're saying, okay, if you're going to beat us by making tough shots, you're going to beat us by making tough shots, but we are like that. That's what we're going to, to live with. Um, and you know, the Knicks have had open threes. They have not made those open threes. Um, guys, nobody else is really putting the ball on the floor other than, as you said, Derek Rose, did you think the Hawks defense was capable of, of doing this coming, coming into the series? I don't think the Hawks defense has been particularly like, you know, stout and impressive. I just think that the Knicks are just making, I mean, missing shots. I think that what they've done against Randall has been impressive and, you know, coming into the series um, in, in the days leading up to it, all of the guys on the team, Nate McMillan, were all saying, you know, we need to stop Randall. If we can stop Randall or at least limit Randall, we have a really good chance at winning. And, and that's exactly what they've done. You know, they've doubled him. They've, they've taken away the middle of, of the paint. They, he's not getting to the rim. No. Um, he's not making all the jumpers that he was in the three games that they played in the regular season. It, it, it seemed like Randall was making every single shot he put up against the Hawks. Uh, I remember one, I think it was in the second game. He just made like this ridiculous baseline fall away jumper. I'm like, Oh, how do you, st- I, how do you stop that? I know the one it was, it almost looked like it went over the backboard. Yeah. Yeah. That one. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> how do you, how do you stop that? And, and those were you the know. kinds of shots that he was making against them in every single game in the regular season. And also I think for the Hawks, they've gotten healthy at the right time Um, for the three games that they played in the regular season against the Knicks. They didn't have Deandre Hunter for two of them. Trey went out in game three with the rolled ankle. 
I think the Hawks would have won that game if he ended up staying healthy in that. Uh, he was torching them. Um, up by nine and with a minute and a half, I think, or mm-hmm. to go in the third. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think that, you know, just from that standpoint, um, it's easy to get caught up in, uh, oh, the Knicks were three and oh, so they're, they're probably going to end up beating the Hawks. Um, you know, just when you understand like the amount of injuries they had, it's, it's a different story, but for the Hawks defense, I, I, I do feel like what they've done against Randall has been impressive. I wouldn't say like, you know, if, if they end up advancing and, and playing Philadelphia, I wouldn't be like, you know, oh, like they're stopping Joel and B they're going to be stopping all these guys. Like, no, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't see that happening, but I, I do think that what they've done in this series particularly has been, you know, pretty solid. Well, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts about how they might do if they advance, but, but first one, one guy you didn't mention by name, but also did miss. Um, I think he, he was only out for the second game was Bogdan Bogdanovich. And if there was one guy that I think I heard about, the most from Nick fans who were like, why couldn't we have gotten him at that number? It was bogey. Um, because I think, you know, he fit what the Knicks needed shooter guy who could do some stuff with the ball, you know, secondary creator, the whole thing. Um, I think coming into this series and, and, and you wrote this by the way, in your Trey article, when you talked about, you know, Bogdanovich said um, we needed another guy or Trey needed another guy who could win games. Well, guess what? They're winning some games now that Bogdanovich is healthy. Um, do you, do you think he's made as big of a difference in this series? Because I know maybe the numbers, like he hasn't had like a scoring explosion, but I, the way I see it, it's like, it's just another guy that the Knicks have to pay attention to, you know, that, that, that occupies some of their, their, their attention. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I think, uh, for on, on the offensive side of the floor, you can't leave him open. So no. it's, it's one fewer guy that, you know, you can pros- possibly bring out to, to Trey and, and trap him at half court or whatever. And you can, you know, leave Bogdanovich alone. You just can't do it just because of the fact that he's been one of the best shooters in the league this year. No. You know, he shot 44% from three on almost eight attempts per game. It, it was at a point especially in the second half of the season where if Bogdanovich was putting up a three, you just expected it to go in. And if he missed two or three in a row, you're like, is everything okay? Is he, <laughs> is he hurt? I mean, yeah. that, that that's how impressive he he was in the regular season. I, I don't think he he's like you said, I don't, I don't think he's had that kind of impact in, in this series, but again, he's just someone that if he's open, you expect him to make the shot and that's dangerous when you have someone like Trey who can make every single pass in the book. You know, it doesn't matter if Trey is double team, triple team, quadruple team, like he can still find a way to, to get the ball to these shooters. And and if you have someone like Bogdanovich on the perimeter, Gallinari, Herder, all these guys who can make, you know, 36, 37, 38% of their shot attempts from three, that's a dangerous team that is really, really difficult to defend. And I think that's what we've seen it particularly in, in these past two games. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of Nick fans were expecting in terms of how they would defend Trey young is to get him off the court by putting him in tenuous situations on the other side of the floor when he's playing defense, that has not happened at all. Um, the Hawks have been very smart about putting him onto Reggie Bullock. As you mentioned, Bullock has not done much in this series, um, had a scoreless game, uh, game four. Our, I have obviously not watched that that much Hawks basketball over the year. Do is this a function of the Hawks are more prepared to deal with the notion of like a team targeting Trey, or is this just a matter of like the Knicks aren't targeting Trey that much? Because from the outside looking in, it seems like New York can be doing more and they're not doing it. Yeah, no, it's that. I mean, the teams have definitely targeted Trey all season long. I mean, pretty much since he entered the league, that that's been a known thing. You can target Trey on defense and, you know, he's, he might score 30, but he might give up 30 on the other end of the floor. And that just hasn't been the case. I think for the Knicks, they just don't have the guys to really take advantage of it. I mean, again, you're not asking Reggie Bullock to, you know, run the pick and roll at the top of the key and, and take guys off the dribble. You're not asking, you know, OB to do this. Like you, you have, you don't have really ball handlers on this roster who can take advantage of it. What I was, what I was thinking of is that maybe they can go with a, a you know, super small Derek Rose, Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett. I mean, maybe that would, you know, get the Knicks more, 
into an offensive rhythm. Whereas, you know, they're letting Trey just hide out on, on Reggie and Reggie's not making shots. So it's like, well, you know, for Trey, he's taking, he's taking a break on that end of the floor and he can do whatever the hell he wants on the other end of the floor. So I, I just think that if, if that's the plan for game five, game six, if it, if it advances that far and, you know, that, and Thibodeau doesn't change it up and, and has Bullock out there and you know, let's try just, you know, hide on him. I, I don't see any possible way that the Knicks could end up advancing in the series just because of the fact that what we've seen through four games is Trey's going to be able to hide on, on, on the defensive side of the floor. They're not going to take advantage of it and he's going to do whatever he wants on the other end and, and the Hawks are going to, you know, win the game. Um, I'm happy you mentioned quickly, um, a couple, couple more and I'm going to get you out of here. You've been great with your time. Um, he killed the Hawks during the regular season. Again, this is playoff basketball. It's not regular season basketball. It's a different animal, but he has been, um, perhaps almost as much as Reggie Bullock. I, and it's, it's unfair to say that a rookie is a disappointment in the playoffs because he's a rookie. I mean, this is, you know, this is new territory for him, but he has not had the t- sort of impact on this series that he had during the regular season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just as curious. You mentioned Tibbs, um, you know, and you wrote about Nate McMillan after game two about some of the issues from his past that resurfaced by him not putting in those guys earlier. Um, it looks like it may not come back to, to haunt them. Um, from the outside looking in, it seems like he has coached a better series than Tom Thibodeau, which is not something a lot of people thought would happen beforehand. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I, I certainly agree with it. Um, you know, after game two, um, you know, part of the reason why McMillan was fired by Indiana is because he didn't do a good job managing his rotation. He didn't do a good job managing the minutes when he was with the Pacers. The Pacers ended up, you know, flail, flailing out in the first round of, of their playoff matchups under him. Um, and McMillan's postseason record was not good at all coming into the series. And, and part of the reason why is he's infamously known as being really stubborn when it comes to playing regular season lineups. And that's exactly what we saw in game two. Um, you know, he, le- he left Trey and Bogdanovich out uh, on the bench way too long. The, ha- the Hawks were minus 14 when both those guys sat the next game, he adjusts and we saw zero seconds of both Trey and Bogdanovich on the bench together. So I think that that's just one of the things that in the playoffs you have to adjust. I I feel like for the most part, Thibodeau hasn't shown that yet. Um, Again, we're talking about we're, uh, you know, game five is Wednesday night and we're still talking about, well, what can the Knicks do to, you know, take advantage of um, exposing Trey on, on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, th- this isn't a conversation that we should be having in game five. Um, you know, they, they should have been, they should have figured this out already in, in you know, f- f- game one, you can feel each other out, whatever game two, like you should expect something different. We didn't see We didn't see them take advantage of that. I know the Knicks won, but they didn't, they weren't, you know, attacking Trey. Game well, three, they weren't yeah. attacked. Try so it's no, like, it, yeah. Okay. yeah. When are we going to see it? If not, if not now, right? Exactly. I, yeah, it's I. You know, it's funny. I went back and I watched all of the the Knicks shooting possessions with Trey in the game um, for for Game Four, and by my count, out of. 30 in the first half, the Knicks involved him in the action four times. Um, That's not what you want. And then it was a few more in the second half and then the game got out of hand. But like, um, yeah, I, I, it seems like they, the Knicks and Thibodeau are just like, look, we have to get ourselves going. We can't worry about, you know, who we're attacking, which is like, you know, it's going to be questioned if this series goes this way, we'll see if it does. Um, Well, let's, uh, we'll finish up on this. If the series does go this way, which I'm, you know, we'll see. Still games, still games to go. Um, is are the Hawks going to be content to kind of go into Philly and you know maybe take a game or two, or will the expectations be be raised if they do? Let's say if they win this series in six or even five games, um, do you? Where is this team looking at it at that point? Look, I mean, coming into the season, they were content with making the playoffs, making some noise in the first round. If it's the one, eight matchup two seven matchup, like they win two games, great season. Like this is great experience for our young players. Um, 
now that they have the opportunity to advance to the second round, it's like, you know, we want to win. We, we believe in ourselves. We, we think we can, you know, shoot with any team in the league. We, we, we have shooters on this, in, on this roster, um, you know, outside of Capella, the, you know, the four guys who start can all make threes at a, at a really high clip. But I, I think for a fan perspective, I wouldn't, I would tell them to temper their expectations when it comes to matching up with Philly, just because I don't, I don't think they match up well with Philly. Um, you know, the Sixers can throw Ben Simmons on Trey. They can throw uh Tybal on him, Danny green, Joel and B can step out on the perimeter. Um, it, it's just a different, you know, per, from a personnel standpoint, it's a, it's a much different, um, matchup than this Knicks team. So yeah. I, I, I would not think that they have a high chance of, you know, giving Philly a, a really good scare. But I also think from, again, the, when we're talking about the Hawks and Knicks who are still two rebuilding teams at the end of the day. Yes. I think, I think both of these teams, teams did a great job of overachieving this year. I don't think anybody expected a four or five matchup in the playoffs to be Hawks Knicks. I mean, I, I would like to meet that person. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> um, and, it, but it's funny. You mentioned Philly and Embiid it, as, as we're talking Embiid listed as doubtful for game five against Washington. So, uh, you know, the, the man hasn't exactly been a picture of health, uh, for sure. For if, his career. If he, if he is hurt, then that, that changes the, the, yeah the dynamic of a series undoubtedly, but if he's healthy and a hundred percent, the knees not bothering him. I, I just can't, you know, picture the Hawks being in the, in the Eastern conference finals against Brooklyn or, or Milwaukee. What a, what a world that would be. Um, last one. I have to ask about this. So on your, your Twitter banner, uh, there he is, Mr. Derek Jeter. Um, are you, what, give me the story, a Yankee fan or what's, what's the deal? Yeah, I actually grew up in the Bronx. Um, oh, word! You're kidding me. Nope i i I grew up a Knicks fan. Um, so i i was I was there through all the torturous, painful moments. So i i, I can experience. I can I can relate to the Knicks fans who are listening to this. But um, <laughs> Yan- Yankees have always been my number one team. My dog Jeter is is lying right next to me. Um, so I. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a, I'm a big, big, big Yankees fan. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny. Cause like a lot of people, when you're a reporter, a lot of people just assume that, you know, covering the Yankees is like my dream job. I, I don't want to cover the Yankees just because I, I want to yell at my TV screen when Aaron Boone, you know, makes a poor decision to go to the bullpen and pulls Garrett Cole out of, you know, he's, he's seventh innings through and, and has given up three hits and, and the analytics are saying you have to, to go to, you know, Zach Britton or, or whoever it is. It's like, you know, I, I love that moment. So I, I can't see myself like covering um, the Yankees just because I, I love being a fan. That's so. Well, I again, I kind of toe the line. I, I, I cover the Knicks, but at the same time, I I I have not abandoned the, the fandom, and this is like therapy for me. That's why I tell people who say to me like, "Thank you for doing what you do at Knicks Film School." I'm like, "Man, this is just free therapy. It's, it's cheaper <laughs> than sitting on a you know on a couch and talking to someone." Um, this has been great, uh, Chris. Can you just uh, let let the folks at home uh, know where they could find you before uh, we let you go? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Chris Kirshner. If you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, um, we do we do a good job covering the Knicks and you know, mostly every other NBA team out there. So highly recommend our content. Uh, proud to call uh, Mike Vorkanoff. We had him on last. I, we were we were talking about this. I think last week was his sixth or seventh time coming on the pod. Uh, we we uh, and as I as I say every time he's on, and as I will say right now, if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, I don't know what you're doing. You guys have awesome coverage across the board, not just for the NBA, for all sports. Um, it, it's fantastic stuff. I really did love that. That I've I've loved all your coverage, but the Trey Young piece was a lot of fun. Star is born. I like that one too. Um, so Chris Christian, thank you so much for uh, coming on and everybody out there thanks for checking out another episode of the next film school podcast we'll be back with you with another one very soon 